0: And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of god in true righteousness and holiness therefore having put away falsehood let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil let the thief no longer steal let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Chloe. Okay. Everybody okay? Um, Hopefully you have your Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter 4. This morning is part two of three, uh, this kind of three-week series that we do every single year called Family Traits. Um, It's essentially just a reminder again of what we're doing. Why are you gathered here? What is the church of Jesus? Uh, What does it mean to be part of the local church, and particularly what does it look like in our in our specific context, in East Belfast in 2022, um, it's important, we do this every year. um, So if you're you're like an old timer and you've been around here for a long time, this is important for you to hear because Jesus likens us to sheep and sheep go wayward. We have a tendency to to lose our focus uh, and to kind of go our own way. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need to be reminded to make sure they stay on course. Uh, So that's what this uh, yearly reminder is meant to be uh, this is what the church is. This is what it means to be uh, part of, of this church. Um, if you're a newcomer, great to have you. Uh, couldn't be here for a more perfect time to kind of be introduced to the vision of the Village and to hear what this local church uh, is all about. So that's what we're doing. If you want the meat and potatoes version of that introduction, go back and listen to, to last week. Did a little bit more there. So um, I'm going to pray for us again, and we'll, we'll dive into here. Um, uh, Lord, we pray that you would, uh, you would be on display. I pray, Lord Spirit, that you would uh, be active right now, um, that you would be opening hearts, uh, you'd be softening hearts, um, that you would be um, teaching. Um, even though I'm up here uh, sharing words, I pray they would be your words. Um, I pray your truth would penetrate our souls in a way that only you can do. Uh, give us a, a, a clear vision, Lord. Give us more energy for uh, being Your people. I pray You do that this morning. Amen. Um, here's our mission statement again. Uh, Village Belfast desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, love each other, and love our city of Belfast as we join God in what He's doing, this renewal of all things. Um, that's just a summary of what the Bible says this is what the church is and what the church should be doing and, and kind of living out, and really for these three weeks, we're just wanting to give a fresh vision for that, a reinvigoration, if you will, of community, uh, of being a gospel-shaped community of people, um, gospel-shaped community. Like, that's what, that's what makes this community this community, Right? Um, God has saved you. He's, bring, he's brought you from being isolated individuals, okay, strangers who have no hope in this world, to through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, adopting you into his family. He's brought you into a new reality. He's brought you into a new community, his community, his family. You are now sons and daughters of God. You're now brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. We're a gospel-shaped community. Um, and for these three weeks, we just want to kind of unpack that. What does it mean to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus alongside one another and be transformed by Him? Uh, What does it look like to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love each other in community, experiencing that, doing that for one another? And then what does it mean to be a gospel-shaped community on mission? We'll look at that next week. And Ephesians 4, we're using that to kind of unpack uh, these three things. Uh, Last week, we looked at that first realm of being a gospel-shaped community who love Jesus. We looked at the first 16 verses of of chapter 4. so remember chapter, the first three chapters of Ephesians is Paul just beautifully laying out your salvation. Here's the doctrine of grace. You have been saved by grace. This is what Jesus has done for you. He's brought you from a dark, hopeless place to a new, glorious reality. He's given you a new identity. You are part of his family. And then in chapter 4, he just turns and he begins to describe what this should look like. Here's what this new life in Christ should look like, the implications of it in real life. Um, Verse 4, chapter 1, he urges us then to walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling to which we've been called. This new way of walking, he says, is with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. He's essentially saying this is the new life in this kingdom There should be a change in you, there should be a transformation happening in you, you're you're meant to be maturing and and growing up in Christ together. No longer children tossed to and fro, but growing up into Jesus, this spiritual renewal that should be happening in community alongside one another, okay? Is there a personal responsibility to it? Absolutely. There's absolutely a, a time for stillness and solitude with the Lord, that's essential. But it's not all that spiritual formation is. It also should be happening in community. It should look like the body building each other up in love, uh, ministry being done with one another, working towards that unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, loving Jesus, knowing Jesus, becoming more like Jesus alongside one another. That was last week. Um, This week, we want to look at that second realm. What does it mean to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love each other? So, verses 1 to 16 tell us that there should be a transformation happening in your life because of the gospel. 17 to 32, just describe more in detail what this new life should look like. Here, here it is in real, tangible ways in community. And the first part of that, verses 17 to 24, Paul does this preacher thing where he kind of kind of backups and recaps, he kind of reiterates uh, what he just said about spiritual transformation. So, verse 17, he says… Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do, and the futility of their minds. So, do you see how that mirrors verse 1? There, there's this new way of walking, but here he, he kind of spends a minute and, and, and reflects on the old way of walking. He doesn't do that before. He says, don't walk. Here's the, the negative. Don't walk as the Gentiles do. And um, Remember who Paul is writing to? This is a church made up mostly of, of Gentile converts. So, here he's speaking to them about their past life. Uh, he's speaking to them about their, their old identity, that old way of living. And they quite literally used to be pagans. They, they, were, they were outside of God's covenant community. But as Paul laid out gloriously in those first three chapters, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has lovingly and graciously done for you, they have been brought in. They're no longer outsiders. They are insiders. Peter would say, you've been brought out of the darkness into the marvelous light. What glorious news for these people. They, they, but they're still living in their pagan society, right? So that's why Paul says, hey, because of your gospel-shaped life, because of your new identities, you must no longer live in this way, um, even though others around you will continue to do so. Unless you're a Jew here this morning, this is the category that you fall into as well, which I'm assuming is most of us. These people who used to be pagans, but now they're Christians. They used to live as pagans, but now they should live as Christians. They have become different people, therefore they should live differently. And Paul says, don't walk in that old way. In describing that old pagan life, notice he he draws their attention to the futility of their minds he says, they are, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Um, Paul's not being unfairly harsh here. He's not criticizing them. He's, he's lovingly and carefully being honest. Uh, that word futility means an emptiness, a, a folly or a frustration, he's saying that the problem before was this this futile void in their minds. They were were darkened in their understanding, they they were blindfolded, you were were walking in the dark when it comes to understanding who God is and who you are. And Paul says, that's not you anymore, you've been brought into this, you've been filled with a new understanding. You're, You're no longer in the dark, you're living in the marvelous light before you were alienated, verse 18, separated from that life of God because of an an ignorance within you. He's being honest. He says, you were were separated because of an ignorance. You You were missing something. You lacked something completely. And he says, it was due to a hardness of heart, the futility of their minds, darkened understanding, ignorance within them because they have a hard heart. He says, They become callous and given themselves up to this life of sin, a life of walking away from God, not walking in His ways. And Paul says, don't walk in that way anymore. Reminds me of Ezekiel. Does it remind you of Ezekiel? Remember when the Lord made that promise to Ezekiel in chapter 11 and then in chapter 36? He's promising to gather His people from the countries that have been scattered, and He says this, He says, I will give them one heart. And a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That, this is why, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. That's that promise of God again, right? So, even back then, God said, the problem is you have a heart of stone, your heart, your heart is hard. It's, it doesn't work. Your, your understanding is dark because of this. You're, you're unable to walk in my ways. What you need is a new heart. You need a heart of flesh, one that is alive and pumping. And God, only God can remove that old stone heart and replace it with a new one, a heart that is alive, a heart that actually can follow after God and, and walk in His ways. And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, don't walk in that way, in that dark hard heart way, becoming callous. Um, I've had a lot of pastoral interactions with people over the years, and this is the big danger, isn't it? Becoming callous. It's, it's literally to lose all sensitivity. Um, I met with a struggling brother recently, and he confessed, you know what worries me is, is not that I'm sinning, but that I'm just, I'm kind of not caring that I am. I'm just kind of losing that sensitivity. Just becoming callous, which Paul says leads you deeper and further down that road, that path of walking away from God. It's dark. It's scary. But in verse twenty, Paul changes gears and he actually he begins to encourage them. He doesn't want to strike fear in them. He wants to encourage them. And so he says, "But that's not the way you learned Christ." Isn't that so beautiful? But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. I think that's so beautiful. He says, that's not the way you learned Christ. So how does Paul encourage them? How how does he push them away from living in this old dark way into this new way of following after Jesus? By pointing them to Jesus, okay? There's there's something so simple and, and profound about verse 20, but that's not the way you learned Christ. So, what's Paul concerned with? He doesn't want you just to learn about Jesus. He wants you to learn Jesus. He he wants you to to, to learn Christ. That's the goal, right? We live in Northern Ireland. This is like the, if there's a, a, a buckle of the Bible belt of Europe, we're in it, right? Like, everyone has grown up in church. Everyone knows the gospel. You've heard about Jesus, and that's the danger here. He's like, do you have a lot of doctrine in your head? Do you have a lot of maybe right theology kind of lined up? Do you know a lot about Jesus but not know Jesus? There's a difference there, isn't there? Those things aren't bad. Those things are great. They, 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 I'd argue they, they help us to know Him better, but what's the goal? To learn about Christ or to learn Christ? Notice there's three parallel expressions in verse 20 and 21. If you're a note-taker or if you write in your Bible, circle these Verse 20, you've learned Christ. Verse 21, you you heard Him. And it's a a little unfortunate that some of the translations, like the ESV, say you heard about Him. Although I understand why you would add that that in there, that preposition doesn't exist. It's literally, you heard Him. So, So Paul's assuming that when Christ is preached, or when He's taught, or when you share Christ, people are hearing Christ you heard Him. And then verse 21, you were taught in Him. You learned Christ, you heard Him, and you were taught in Him. John Stott puts those three together beautifully, and he says, Christ is the teaching, He's the teacher, and He's the context. Jesus is the subject, the object, and the environment of learning, the way of living in God's new community. For the truth is in Christ. The truth is in Jesus, he says. You want the truth? Go to Jesus. Be with Jesus. Learn Jesus. And what specifically have they learned? What have they been taught? Verse 22, learning Jesus, the truth in Jesus, they've been taught that becoming a Christian involves radical change, right? Spiritual transformation. He says, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, put that off and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on this new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, to have that old, hard heart of stone removed and to be replaced with a heart of flesh that results in this new way of walking this new kind of living. It's like, he's like, here's a new set of clothes to walk in to become more like Jesus in. Isn't that beautiful? That's the goal transformation by learning Jesus, by loving Jesus in community. Now what? Now what? That's not, the, that, that's not, that's not where it stops. What does it look like? What, what's, what's next? Well, verse 25, he gets into that and he tells us what? There should be. The, the, the result of walking in a manner worthy of your calling should be a transformed community of love. That's the result, this transformed community of love and unity. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So that, that neighbor, is, it means someone who's near to you, and, and Paul says, speak the truth with them. And um, he doesn't have in mind just any old neighbor. He doesn't, he's not thinking of your next-door neighbor or your, your, your colleague at work, which is, it's good to speak the truth to them as well. But here specifically, he has in mind God's community that you've been brought into. Because he says, for we are members of one another. He's specifically talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ, your, your church family. That word member is literally a limb of a body. You're a limb of the body now, Christ's body. That, that's, that's what you're brought into. And so, that's what he's talking about in this section. He says, put away that old life, be renewed spiritually, walk in your new life, your new identity. And what does that look like? It looks like speaking the truth to your neighbors, your, your brothers and sisters of this fellow body. So, the result is being an active member of this community of love. Being an active member that is building one another up in love, this community of love and unity. And then Paul goes on to describe what the, the unity of this new community of love looks like. That's what we're gonna look like for the for the next few verses. Verse 26, he says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. He's implying it's messy, right? He wouldn't have to say that if it wasn't going to be messy. He's like, although these members are saved by grace, they're not perfect yet. Like someone once said, the the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. That's true. It's messy. There's work to do. There's sanctification. There's maturing to do. You're going to step on each other's toes. You're you're not going to get get it right all the time. So, he says here… This has to be a forgiving community. It's a community of grace. Be angry, but do not sin. That's an echo of Psalm 4, right? We looked at that during the summer. It seems to be this Hebrew idiom which, which, has, which kind of permits and restricts anger. It actually, I think this phrase, it's meant to help us through Navigate these real feelings that we're going to encounter on this messy road to sanctification, right? I think Paul's using this to describe this life in this new community. He's saying, this needs to be a community where you can be honest about how you're feeling. This is a community where you can be honest and where you can be vulnerable. But it's a community of grace. It's a forgiving community. It's a place where you, you don't have to let your anger fester. No, we, we deal with these things alongside one another, and the only reason that we can deal with them is because we're a gospel-shaped community. We can forgive and we can extend grace because that's exactly what God has done for us in Jesus. So, he says this is a community that, that deals with their issues. It's a community of grace. Verse 28, says, "'Let the thief no longer steal.'" But rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Again, he's implying it's, it's messy. Uh, some of you used to be thieves. <laughs> You're not perfect. You're not this like angelic community, right? It's, it's, there, some of you have dark paths. But because of the gospel, Paul says, don't live like that anymore, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Let him work honestly now. There's this change. He's saying there's this transformation in this community's work and ethics. It's a transformation in their work and their ethics. To put it another way, there's a transformation in the way that these people work, but there's also a transformation in the reason that they work. There's this new... uh, you're to work honestly. You're to work um, not thieving and, and, and deceitful, but, but in an honest way. But he says there's a new reason for their working, doing honest work, so that they may have something to share with anyone in need. So there's this new outward focus in a person's motivation for their working. That's fascinating, isn't it? That's really deep. He's speaking not just on a surface level here, the external. He's talking about what's happening inside of you. Paul says there should be a, a transformation in the way that you work. You're not deceitful. You're doing honest work. But he says there should be a transformation in the reason that you work. You're no longer primary, primarily concerned with self. You're, you're no longer working with selfish motivations, working in order to get your, that best life, that, that beautiful, Instagram-worthy life, right? Is that wrong? Is it, is it wrong to have nice things? not necessarily. Paul's just saying, because of that spiritual renewal, because of that transformation that's happening inside of your heart because of Jesus, there should be this introduction of this new motivation for working. And that motivation, that new reason is, how can I help others? How can I help others in their need? You're now concerned with others. Why? Because this is a gospel-shaped community, right? You're you're, you're able to do that because God was concerned with you in your deep need. He was concerned with pulling you up from your grave when you couldn't do it yourself. God sent His Son Jesus to work on your behalf in order to share with us in our need. Do you see the gospel here? Do you see this new gospel-shaped way of working? It's transformation in this community in the way they work, but also transformation in the reason that they work. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, this is a community of of love and unity, and we see there's transformation in the way they speak to one another. They have transformed tongues. Uh, This is a huge one, isn't it? And they're all important, but this one is huge. And James 3 says, the tongue is a fire, a world of wickedness among our our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. (laughs) James is pretty serious about the way we're supposed to talk to one another and use our tongues. (laughs) Because if there's one thing that can tear a community apart, it's a single tongue. It's the way you talk to one another. And maybe more importantly, the way you talk about one another. And the Bible, uh, Paul even talks a lot about gossip. He talks a lot about slander and corrupting talk. And it's not surprising that Paul puts this in his description of what a community of love looks like. He says, there should be a change in the way that you speak to and about one another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such talk that's good for building up the body. That's good for building up one another in love. That's the purpose of this new community, right? We saw that in verses 16 and 17. Speak the truth in love so that we can grow up in Christ. Pulling everyone towards Christ. Building up the body in love. So Paul says, let everything that comes out of your mouth be for the sole purpose of building up one another in love. And are you doing this? Are you doing this in, the, in your humor, the way we joke around with one another? Are we doing this in our, in our teaching from here, in your lives? Are you doing this in your casual conversations when no one else is listening, behind each other's backs? Is it, is it building up one another in love? If, it, if it's not, Paul would say, that's the old corrupting talk, get rid of it. For the building up, he says, as fits the occasion. What's he saying there? He's talking about wisdom, right? He's, he's, he's saying wisdom and how and when we talk to each other. That, that word occasion, it, it, it's the exact same word as that word need. It, it's the exact same thing. He's saying when is it necessary? When is it needed? He's talking about having wisdom in your speech. Are you someone who just doesn't know when not to talk? Hey, they just just don't seem to have a filter. Um, Can I just tell you, that's not a quirky character trait. That's a lack of wisdom that often leads to corrupting talk, that often leads to pain and disunity. Again, do you see how this is similar to the previous point? Paul's saying there should be a difference in the way that you talk to one another, but also a difference in the reason that you talk to one another. The reason should always be for building up. He says, that it may give grace to those who hear. Isn't that beautiful? Paul says, you actually, in your speech, get to give grace away to people. Who does that sound like? Chapter 2, it sounds like God. He's the one who gives grace. He's the one who saves by grace in Jesus. Paul's saying, listen, in Jesus, you have a new father. Father. You have a new heavenly father who's in the business of giving grace away, and you now get to enter into that family business. With your speech, with your talk, you get to give grace away, grace upon grace. That should be your purpose. That should be your motivation for everything that comes out of your mouth. You have been shown immeasurable grace by God. You now have the privilege and the duty of extending that grace to others. You're gospel-shaped people. What does that look like in your life, in this community? It's a serious one. It's a dangerous one. Um, it's dangerous because it's entirely possible for you to think that you are bearing with one another in love, for you to think that you are uh, bearing each other's burdens, when actually you're just in- engaging in gossip. Our hearts are deceitful. We can have this, James talks about this heavenly wisdom that leads to, to unity and this earthly wisdom that leads to disunity. And our hearts are so deceitful that we can say things like, hey, uh, we really need to pray for so-and-so because did you hear what he's going through? Hey, poor, poor that guy. He's really going through a hard time. Let me share with you. That is just possibly gossip dressed up as spiritual concern. Gossip dressed up as spiritual concern, Paul would say, get rid of it. That's the old garment. You used to wear it. It's corrupt. Throw it off. Everything that comes out of your mouth should be for the building up of the body and love. You see how we can begin to connect the dots here from what we've read? Do you see why it's essential to have other people around you to be in community in order to have wisdom in your speech? Because if it's entirely possible to engage in gossip and slander that's just dressed up as spiritual concern, you can see why you desperately need brothers and sisters in your life. You need brothers and sisters who can, in love, say, listen, um, I notice you keep sharing this and this. Um, I I know you might have good motives in that, but listen, here's why it just sounds like gossip. Here's, Here's why sharing that might be unbeneficial or harmful. You see how you need those people in your lives, that this is what a brave community of unity and love looks like. Continue to connect the dots. Do you see why Paul in verse 1 urges us to walk with gentleness? Like a, a rebuke is only going to be successful if it's done with gentleness, right? You can see why he says, walk with humility, because you as that person being gently rebuked desperately need humility, right? To be able to say, listen, that was, that's painful to hear, but I think you're right. I think I've been wrong in this. Paul says, your new life, these gospel-shaped lives, will result in a community of love that is eager to maintain their unity. And you'll only be able to do that if there's a transformation in your talk. Your motivation in everything is to build up and to give grace away. Verse 30 Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, Most scholars agree that's a little bit of like, oh, is this kind of out of left field? What's what's Paul saying here? Um, I think Paul begins to wrap up this description of this community of love. Uh, He wants to remind them of the Holy Spirit, uh, and for two reasons. Firstly, by saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, he wants to remind them of God's presence with them, the previous verses, they have a lot of doing, don't they? Don't live like this, live like this. Don't do this, do this. There's, there's, a, there's that, a lot of duty on our part and being part of this new community. But, he says, the Holy Spirit is in you. God's presence is ever with you. And he's real. And he's a person. And so be aware of him. Don't don't grieve him. Don't cause him sorrow. And I think in doing that, he's like, be reminded of his presence with you. Be aware of him and remember what he's doing. Turn back to chapter 2, verse 22. What's the Holy Spirit doing? Paul ends chapter 2 by saying, in him, Jesus, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by what? By the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst. He is building you up in love. So we put a lot of focus on our part of building each other up in love, and that's good and that's right. We have a part to play, but Paul wants to remind you that it's all God's work in and through you, right? It's, it's He is building His church. It's His power in the community that will build up the church. You are being transformed by Him. Don't forget that. So in all of this, throw your dependence on him. be aware of him. Secondly, he says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." That word "sealed," it means to, to put a mark on an object to show its possession. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Holy Spirit does in you. He says, "You are God's people." When did that happen? When did that sealing take place? Paul says in chapter 1, verse 13, turn back to that. Paul says, In Him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, then you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Isn't that something? When did that sealing take place? At the beginning of our Christian life, the Holy Spirit Himself indwelling us, that's the seal with which God has stamped us as His own. It's a seal that cannot be removed. So not only is Paul reminding them of God's presence and work within them, he's also giving us incredible hope. This, this life of love and unity that you are now called to live and walk in, it's, like it's not earning God's favor in any way. That's been accomplished already. You've been sealed with that. In Jesus, you are freely and fully accepted. That's what His grace is. Grace means there's nothing that you and I are doing that can earn His His love, earn His delight. But also, there's nothing you can do to lose that. In Jesus, you are His. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Nothing can change that. So, Walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling, it's a response, right? It's not work, it's a response to what Jesus has done. What glorious hope Paul is reminding them of. What precious hope that we need to cling to as we enter into messy life together. So he says, This is a community that is spirit filled, it's spirit sealed. And lastly, in verses 31 and 32, He says, "'Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you.'" So these last two verses, they mirror Galatians 5, right? Remember Paul's talking about the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit, don't walk in this way, walk in this way, he's saying the same thing. And so here, these are just abbreviated versions of the works of the flesh in verse 31 and the fruit of the Spirit in verse 32. He's, it's like he's wrapping up this, this description of this, this new way of life in community by saying, hey, these are just a few examples. Uh, let me sum it up by saying that old way of walking in the flesh with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and evil, put it away. It's literally throw it off, kill it destroy it. That's not you anymore. Instead, bear the Spirit's fruit. Be transformed by the Spirit. Be kind to one another. Are you being kind to one another? Are you loving? Are you benevolent? Are you concerned with others? Be gracious, tender-hearted. Do you have a tender heart? Are you compassionate, forgiving one another? It's a community of grace. Those last six words are everything. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Just as God in Christ forgave you, just as He showed you the way. That's, he ends by giving us the fuel for living in this new way. Remember the gospel. Remember what God has done for you in Jesus. That the fuel, the motivation for being a community of love, of grace, of forgiveness, of compassion, it's to remember what Christ has done for you in Jesus. You are a gospel-shaped community of people who are to love Jesus and to love each other. Isn't that beautiful? And just as we close, the big question is, what does that look like? And um, how, how do we do this in our specific context? How do we, what does it look like to tangibly live in this way in mostly East Belfast in 2022? Um, so just kind of focusing on those last two weeks, what does it look like to be a community of love, a community, a gospel-shaped community who love Jesus, who are being transformed by Him together? And then to to live out that new way of life as a community of love and unity, what does that look like? How do we do it? Um, I don't know entirely, but I can tell you that it cannot be done in 90 minutes a week on a Sunday. It cannot be done in 90 minutes a week on a Sunday. I'm not going to diminish the Sunday gathering. Um, I'd argue that the, the Sunday gathering is the pinnacle of the church. The, the word church literally means assembly. Gathering is when we are most as the church. It's essential. So there are opportunities to, to, to kind of live this out on a Sunday morning, right? Um, coming, singing to one another and, uh, these truths, sitting under God's Word, uh, serving, doing the work in, of ministry, uh, drop in serving our kids again, reminder of that. But that's 90 minutes a week. And this new way of life will take much more than that, which is why the the church gathered is important, but so is the church scattered. Um, Here at Village, uh, if Sundays are the church gathered, uh, for us, missional communities are the church scattered, Um, which is why missional communities are essential to actually living out this vision of loving Jesus and and loving each other and loving our city. Um, If you don't know what MCs are, let me quickly tell you um, missional communities are groups of around 10 to 15 people, um, usually, not always, living in a, a, a similar shared area, who together are just seeking to, to share this life that's shaped, that's shaped by the gospel. Um, these groups provide us opportunities to, to build deep, authentic relationships in Christ. So, this is where we love Jesus and, and love each other in community. They also provide opportunities for us to invite others in to experience God's love and His grace and to see it in action, and we'll get into more of that next week. Um, this is the church scattered for us, gospel-shaped communities scattered through the city who love each other, who love Jesus, and we love our neighbors. Um, there's two kind of aspects to, to kind of life in MC. Um, we tend to kind of talk about them in terms of the formal times together and the informal times together. So, so the formal times, uh, we call that family dinners. So, usually there's uh, a specific night that suits everyone in that group to, to come together to share a meal, uh, to sit around a table, uh, to, to open up the Bible, to encourage each other, to, to be transformed in that way and to pray. Um, but there's also the informal part of MC, the, which is the everyday, kind of ordinary rhythms of life together. It's going to the park, going to the pub, going to a gig, whatever. These these everyday rhythms of life together that are walking in this new way um, just as important, right? It's so easy. I can tell you from someone who's been here from day one to kind of fall back into thinking, okay, MC, Tuesday night, got go go to go do that. This, we're trying to like shatter that again. <laughs> MC is something that You are the church, you are the church scattered, and how do you live that out? Um, And this is the place where we, we practice walking in that new way ordinary people doing ordinary things, but with gospel intentionality. Living these normal lives, but with this new gospel information, this new gospel shaped, informed manner. Let's be honest missional community has been the, the aspect of, of village that's, that's had the most strain on it over the past few years, right? It's been the hardest. Um, if we're really honest, we probably haven't felt the, the, or seen the full recovery of community together, life together, in a kind of uh, post-COVID world. Can I say that without being canceled? Like you know what I mean. And so, we're just trying to kind of hit the refresh button for us. So, we kind of give a reinvigorated uh, vision and renewal of communal life together for our church. Here's a couple of things that we're going to do to, to kind of help with that uh, in light of where we are right here and right now. Um, first thing we're going to do, after doing a lot of uh, thinking and, and prayer and talk with uh, a lot of you and, and our leaders, um, we're going to make a couple of tweaks to the, the rhythms of our missional communities. Um, because of the cultural moment that we find ourselves in, um, one thing we're going to change about our MC rhythms and try out is instead of doing those formal family dinner nights uh, every single night, um, we're going to try to do those every other week. And so imagine a, uh, four weeks in a month. Um, weeks one and three would be uh, a family dinner night um, in, in that week. And then weeks two and four are more dedicated to that uh, informal, everyday life rhythms together. Um, informal doesn't mean never planned, right? There's still intentionality behind that kind of life together. Uh, you can still schedule those things to, to work them out and talk about them. It's not just like, okay, foot off the foot off the, the gas and just like see what happens and coast. And um, thinking in, in the, the, the thinking in, in moving to this kind of new rhythm and trying this out, it's simply to, to try to give people more margin for living out this way of life together in our cultural moment that we find ourselves in. We want to give people a little bit more margin to live out this life of loving community, um, which can look very diverse, right, and look very different. Um, so those, those weeks that are dedicated to the kind of informal everyday life together, um, that might not look like your entire MC getting together to do something. Maybe it does sometimes. Great, okay? Hey, picnic at Stormont. Everyone come. Bring some food. Bring that friend that you've been talking, to, uh, talking about Jesus with and we'll just kind of do this together. Uh, that, that could look, be what it looks like or it could be more flexible than that. And Hey, a couple, of, a couple of us are going to go for a cycle and, 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 and get out there and, and have those conversations and prayer as we, as we do that. Um, maybe it looks like you... It's this opportunity for you to get a coffee with, with that person that you've talked to on a Sunday. that are in another MC, but you, you want to be uh, kind of in their lives and get to know them. That's, our church is one family and opportunities to, to let those things happen. Hey, maybe a couple of you are going to babysit for that single mom so that she can get a night out. You see this kind of everyday, informal, normal life together. We're just trying to create a little bit more margin in our pandemic worn out and conditioned lives to work this out and to actually walk in a manner that's worthy of our calling. Um, and so that's one thing we're going to try and, and a new rhythm that we're going to lean into as a church uh, for the next season. Uh, we're going to have a lot of grace for each other in that um, and, and to see what it does, uh, see if it works and be okay if it doesn't. Um, let's lean into that and see if it, if it actually helps us in our current situation, to be able to live these gospel-shaped communal lives together. More about that kind of to come, and I'll mention it next week as well. Um, Lastly, lastly, another thing that we're going to do to kind of hit that refresh button for us is um, to actually have a kind of a fresh sign-up for missional community. Um, This is just an opportunity whether you've been around for ages and you've been in an MC for year, uh, years to, to, to just say yes. I believe this, is, this life and community is, is important, um, and I want to be part of that. Um, or if you've never been part of an MC, or if you're new, be you say, yes, I'd like to, to, to look and, and see what that looks like. So in, in order to do that, we're, we're going to ask everyone to um, consider this MC sign-up form, which is very simple. Um, you'll put your name and your address down there, there at the top. Uh, and then there's a couple of sections to choose from um, for us to kind of get a, an understanding of where everyone's at. The first one is this. Uh, go to the next one, Paul. Yes. The first one is, hey, I or we uh, are in an MC. We love the MC that we're at, and we want to kind of stay where we are and continue with it. Great. And um, the second one is, I... I'm an MC. I love being in this MC, but I'm open to trying another one um, if that's helpful. That's okay, okay? Just know that if you tick that one, I know we're very nervous people about what people think about us. Like, that's not gonna be someone being, they're disgruntled. They, they hate the community. Something's wrong. That doesn't have to mean that. It could just be as easy as, I fall in that category. If, if it's helpful to, to try out a new one, great. I'm hoping that happens, okay? There's, there's, sometimes it's good to, to mix things up a little bit, and, and church life together shouldn't be this, this heavy burden. It should be light, and it should be easy and life-giving. So that's one option. Um, another option is uh, I'm not currently in an MC, but I would like to be. Um, and then the last one is i see the importance of this. I, I understand, and I'd like a further conversation about that. And we just want to have a lot of grace for you, if that's you. Um, We want to enter in that with you and have that conversation and and see where you are and see where you might find certain things uh, difficult. Grace upon grace. It's a community of grace. Um, There's a last little section about core groups, which I'll mention uh, a little bit more, but I'll leave it there at that. Um, And then there's a a section there in the middle of just kind of letting us know, hey, here's the night for those formal family dinners that generally suits me the best. Okay. Um, So that's one thing that we're we're just going to do to to try to just kind of kickstart and and, and have a refresh there, okay? We we deeply believe in this, um, that we are called to be a gospel-shaped people um, who are in community with one another, who've been called into community with one another uh, to love Jesus, to know Jesus. And we do that when we're with people, speaking truth into each other's lives, transformation happening in that space. We're called to love each other, to serve one another, to speak to each other in a new way, to work differently, to, to, to work that out in each other's lives, and to love our city. That, that actually becomes this, this beacon, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, God's doing amazing things, and we just want to be part of that, and we feel like this is the best uh, way to do that, okay? Would you stand with me? Um, Jesus, uh, You are King. You reign uh, forever. Um, as Paul says in the Colossians, You are the beginning. All things were created through You and for You. Um, that includes us, Lord. Um, we are created uh, by You and through You and, and for You. And we want our lives to, to, to reflect that. Um, we don't want to be the same, Jesus. Um, this costs You everything to bring us in, to give us a new identity, a new reality. Um, I pray You'd you'd give us a a, a heart and a vision uh, for actually doing that, for actually living these transformed lives and and working that out together in a messy way. Um, Thank You for the Holy Spirit, um, for Your presence with us, that You are doing the work (laughs) that you are the one who is building this this family up together to be a a dwelling place for God. How incredible is that? That you have sealed this community um, as God's very own, this inheritance that will be ours because of you. Um, Keep our eyes on the gospel, Lord. May we be a gospel-shaped people. Um, Lord, I just pray for those who um, are feeling weary this morning um, who even f- find that kind of weariness of entering into uh, some life together. Lord, I pray uh, the gospel would change that for them. Um, they would rest in you and to know that Jesus, you offer us rest, that your, your, your way is, is light. It's not burdensome. Um, help us to figure that out and work that out and encourage each other in that, Lord. Um, st- help us to strip off all of the old way that we are still wearing at times Help us to, to, to throw that off and to kill it, to destroy that old way, and to be eager to be this community of love, maintaining the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. Um, and may that glorify you, Jesus, and do something in this world. Pray that in your name. Amen.